And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms of apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Red Side of the Trent. This is the playoff edition. I am your host, Adam Wicklow, joined ever as uh, by Christian Brown, Lee Clark, Reese Lane. How are we all, guys? Thank yeah. you. Good, thanks, mate. Uh, we are here, obviously, celebrating Forest reaching Wembley for the first time in 30 years with a chance to get back to the promised land for the first time in 23 years after beating Sheffield United uh, on penalties after a 3-3 draw on aggregate on Tuesday night at the city ground. Unbelievable scenes, obviously. Um, maybe took the shine off by by one idiot, unfortunately. Um, just before we get into the game, guys, uh, Reese, going to start with you. Uh, what was your thoughts before the game? Obviously, me and you met for a, for a cheeky pint with Christian as well. Um, Lee, we did save you a seat, but you weren't there. Um, oh, our engagement, sadly. <laughs> um, thoughts before the game? I think we all unanimously agreed that if it went like it did on Saturday, Forest would win again. But it was typical Nottingham Forest, wasn't it? Like Lee says, is the easy way, the hard way, and the Forest way. And you know, even you know, going one nil up, so it makes it three one on the tie. Forest still have to do it the hard way, um, which we'll come on to, but. I'm always nervous before games. I wish, I wish uh, games of that magnitude. Anyway, not you know, not when you're playing Hull at home or something, but games of that magnitude. Um, I'm always nervous because I've you know we're all pretty much same age generation. And we've had years and years of you know nervous tension and forest usually fucking things up. So it's just coming to your DNA really now. Um, but. Yeah, as well, I'll let um obviously you ask questions to the other guys before taking their thunder away back the game. Yeah. Christian, obviously you got into the ground fairly early uh, in the in the main stand, um, soaking up the atmosphere. Uh, obviously Forza come out with another cracking display. But that the ground was 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 balancing, I thought. What what was your thoughts? It was it was one of the, it was um we'll sure we'll sure come on to it at some point. Obviously the adversity we had to overcome in typical fashion. But uh it reminded me of, do you remember when we had Coventry first game of the season? And I don't know if anyone who went to that game, they did the, they did the there's a twist and shout for like a good 20, 30 minutes and the whole place was bouncing even though they were losing. And it felt that way again when we were 1-0 down, even when we were 2-0 down, uh, sorry, 2-1 down, sorry. So it was um, level on aggregate. I think it was important that we still got behind the team. Like I think in years, previous years, we probably would have gotten their backs. We probably would have like, you know, you would have started to hear the groans and like jeers, but... It was still very positive. It was still like, okay, look, this has happened. We'll stick with it. We'll stick with it. I thought the crowds, obviously, as you mentioned, apart from the absolute clown um, who went into Sharp, were to a man terrific, absolutely terrific. Like it was that was support you can really be proud of. I thought like the, the players seemed to obviously reciprocate that as well at the ends. Um, but yeah, no, we put in a proper shift as a twelfth man. I say definitely. Uh, Forest started off really, really slow. I thought really poor. Uh, sloppy passing. It was like the occasion kind of got to him a bit, uh, Lee. And uh, Bree Samba was called into action early doors, save from Milliman and Jai. I was expecting the flag to go up, but credit to Samba, played to the whistle. Fantastic save, wasn't it? Yeah, cometh the hour, cometh the Samba, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I think it was that save that sparked us into life, to be honest. I don't, if that had gone in, I feared the worst. I think we'd have folded like a cheap cheer from B&M that you buy at this time of the year I suppose but I just didn't see any it was nothing it was dead weird you go into the first the second leg having won on the road at a tough place like Bramall Lane 
And it was like, here we go again. This is what Forest do. We fuck it up in the second leg. So it was that save, I think, was the catalyst for the, at least for the next, I think that was after about 15 minutes, wasn't it? So at least for the next half an hour until half time. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to the rest of it. But yeah, I think, um, as Christian just said, it was great to see the fans. That kind of sparked the fans into life as well. I think there was a, a little bit of nervous tension once we saw how Sheffield United had kind of raced out the box. So, yeah, that save was massive. Um, and for me, it was the reason that we, we went on to win, to be honest. Yeah. Um, other than like our sloppy play, there was one bit of quality, Reese. Uh, it led to a goal. Scott McKenna playing a, a nice ball into the channel where, I don't know why, but we, we, we seem to not play that ball very often because it hurt Sheffield United so much in the first leg. But for some reason, we couldn't really get it going uh, on Tuesday. But cracking ball to Surridge. Surridge crossed to Brendan Johnson and he's become the first player since his dad to score in both legs of the playoffs. I mean, it was similar. I know it were different players, but similar to the um, the goal in the first leg. The first goal, um, obviously this time McKenna taking over from Warrell, his ball, Surridge crossing like he did at Bramall Lane and... You know, brilliant. That was a great finish from Brennan Johnson because he's running in at pace and to meet that as well as he did and connect as well as he did. And, you know, he's fodering him no chance straight into the top corner. And it was the only, the only time, really, we actually got it on the floor and actually played a decent move. We just, we just never really was fluid in his play. And I'm going to, you know, take my hat off to Sheffield's manager as much as I think the bloke's an arsehole. I thought he got his tactics spot on. Um, he changed their wing backs. Uh, Norrington Davis is a bit more defensive than Stevens. He was up Spencer's backside at every point. Um, he pretty much nullified Spence and Johnson. And then on the other side, they clearly targeted for me Jack Colback because there was a lot of balls down that side. Both goals came down that side. And George Baldock, who's more, um, more of a wing back, <clears throat> obviously especially for the second goal, as we'll come on to, you know, got his just rewards. So, and I thought for once, we probably lost that battle in the midfield as well. Um, you know, they've got, with respect to Garner and Yates, you know, they've been superb this season, both of them, but they are still, you know, compared to Norwood and Fleck in experience. And plus they had Burge in there as well. I thought we just got a bit, you know, outnumbered in that in midfield, but um it's just, it's just a shame we, we couldn't put any more of their moves together because, you know, we, we saw in the first leg like, how much we hurt Sheffield United. It was just, we just could not seem to get any rhythm going all night long, really. Yeah. The crowd really got behind Forrest, I thought, uh, Christian. And, and then even more so when uh, Paul Heggenbottom was probably lucky not to be sent off in an incident with Jed Spence. Uh, thoughts? Um, I... Again, like I feel like I'm getting like I feel like a broken record here when it comes to referees. I mean, if we can't get the best referee in the country, Michael Oliver, to make a simple decision at the city ground, then we've got absolutely no chance. I mean, what is Heckingbottom even thinking about doing in that situation? Like he's, he's nowhere near Spencer. Like, surely any contact with a player like that is a straight red card as well for manager. I mean, Lee can probably fill me in better, fill us in better than I can in that regards, but it. I don't know. It, it, I don't know if he was trying to like spark a reaction from us or trying like you know. I thought Spence, to be fair, to him, played it beautifully. Like the way he just started smiling and laughing, it was quite funny as well. Like when play resumed, before he took his throw in, Spence sort of um looked uh looked at uh Heckingbottom, rolled his eyes and started laughing and then threw it. Or he's got a bit of a big cheer from main stands, but I just I don't know what I'm going through Heckingbottom's head. I really don't. Like I don't know how he got away with that because the yellow card seems incredibly lenient to me. Do you know what I thought was great, Lee, as well? I mean, I know everyone was effing and jeffing and calling him a, a shit Neil Warnock, but it did really spark something into this game. Jersey, if he was a neutral, you'd be loving that. You'd be loving it, wouldn't you? That, to be fair, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it did. I mean, Christian's spot on, though. I mean, it was the easiest decision of the game and he got it wrong. Um, whether, I don't know, whether he didn't quite see it and it was his assistant that gave him some advice or the fourth man, but I just, a manager's not going to do that again. So why give him the opportunity to stay in the same place? If you yellow card him, it's kind of like, well, happy days. I'll take my yellow card and just continue giving instructions to my team. It was 
I mean, if I didn't give a red card for that at my level, I'd, I'd probably struggle to find wheels on my car when I got back to it, to be honest. Um, I, I get that it's a completely different level, but to me, it was a, a really easy red card. Go and sit in the stand. Um, it did spark a reaction. Um, I must admit, I, I quite liked how calm and composed Michael Oliver was throughout, but I think he, the, the battle I think he had was trying to determine how to referee it. For, for, for a good hour, he seemed to want to not give anything. But then for a good half an hour, at the end of normal time, he kind of thought, well, actually, I'll give the away side everything now, which because they're chasing the game, which um, I thought was really weird. But it is what it is. We got through. Um, but yeah, I do think that decision was wrong. Yeah. Uh, Reese, we're going to get into the second half. Obviously, Sheffield United come right out of the blocks, pressing high. And they, they got their reward by scoring a very early goal. Um Kind of a bit of a mix-up. Warrell puts in a tackle, I think, on Illiman and Jai, I think it is, or, or Gibbs White, I can't remember which one. And then Sunderberg kind of comes away and pulls it back and kind of, they score kind of a forest goal in that sense where they've pulled it back in the cross. But where where it was it was a poor and sloppy goal in my eyes. Yeah, like, like I said, um, I don't know if you guys agree, but I just thought he targeted Colback side every time, personally, um, of trying to get it in behind him. Um, and this isn't a slight on callback at all, but he was struggling towards the end. I think he was carrying a knock and you could see. Mm. Um, I think his leg a fair few times. Yeah, I think for the second goal, that's evident because Baldock ends up going by him and he's running back and it's like he's not nowhere near going to catch up with him. There was poor, from our perspective, there was really poor goals. Um, the probably goals you'd expect us to score low across the box and to concede two are pretty much the same same goal was really disappointing. Um, you know, you know, unmarked, Gibbs White was unmarked. You can't leave a player of his quality unmarked in the box. What was he, six yards out, maybe? You know, and then I'm sure we'll come on to the second as well. But, you know, Fleck getting in front of Spence, it was two disappointing goals from us to concede, really. Yeah, I thought um, second half, we really lost control, Christian. Like, the, the midfield battle was, was poor. I mean... Everything was bad, I actually generally think. Every pass was going astray. Every pass was either behind someone or not not quite right or getting intercepted or overhit. I thought Forrest really lacked composure all over the pitch. And someone who, who has been probably missed to composure a lot of times this season is someone like Joe Worrell. And I thought he he had, a mo- he had probably a game to forget in my eyes. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would also add James Garner to that list. I mean, we all are huge James Garner fans uh, on this podcast. He was just as much at fault for the first goal as anyone else. I mean, um, at least with Colbert, you can say he sort of slips. It's hard luck. But like Reece said, Gibbs White's completely unmarked and Garner's just stood there looking at him. It's like, track your man. These are football basics. Like, as much as the second goal with um, where Spence doesn't pick up Fleck. Uh, again, very simple things. I mean... Like as we touched on, if you can pick out like a, a gap that we've exploited that we've left behind, which obviously we did for the second goal when Colback went forwards, then fair enough. You know, you credit the opposition for finding the pass, but you still don't make it easy for them. You at least try and recover the situation. And you're, I mean, the whole game we were poor. Like, I mean, Worrell had an incident in the first half, the end, um, and Jai chance that came from a bad Worrell pass out to Spence. He got it wrong. What gives White broke down the left and put it across, and thankfully, Samba bailed us out. I just felt like much like the second half of the Bournemouth game, we just seemed to freeze. Like it was like, which is a bit a huge concern going into Sunday because that's now twice we've really had to step up and win. And we've not done so. We've just rabbit in the headlights. So that's my main worry going into Sunday. I mean obviously thankfully we got through it and we actually weirdly played better in this in extra time than we did in normal time I thought, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But yeah, um as you go go back to your original point, there were players that night who you was associated with consistency and composure who just didn't show any at times where we really needed them to. And, you know, thankfully it was like a case of also that ends well. It's important to note that, but you know, it's looking at it objectively, it wasn't good. It really was not good. Yeah. We, we just weren't picking up any second balls. I mean, you expect someone like Zinconago to come and help, but Sander Berg actually turned into a 25 million pound midfielder, I thought Lee and the second goal, we had so many chances to to not only stop the ball, but just 
just take a man out, take a yellow card. I think I think Garner let Sam uh, George Baldock actually go at one point, or someone before, whoever plays the pass out to him, and he could just like just leg him up, just cause a foul, take a yellow card, regroup. And we just didn't do that, and it was a sloppy goal. And I and I don't know if it, I've rewatched it, and I thought it was a cross between Spence should have picked up Fleck, but for me he's a midfield runner, and that's he's Yates's man in my eyes for, for that one. And I don't want to put too much blame on Yates because I thought he did a he did a pretty decent job uh, in there, but. No, no one can really come away apart from Samba probably saying that they played well in that game, I thought. No, I tend to agree, to be honest. Um, Sander Burge was unbelievable, wasn't he? I mean, I can't believe how big he is. Obviously, I wasn't at the away game. Um, for whatever reason, whether it was the amount of alcohol consumed before the away game in the league when I was there, but I just didn't realise how big he was. Um, <laughs> he's an absolute unit in the middle of the park. Um, I think... Sticking someone like him alongside Norwood, who's vastly experienced, and Fleck, who likewise has got loads of experience at this level, was just almost a recipe for disaster um, for Forrest. Just with our, as good as Garner and Yates have both been, they are very inexperienced still. So that definitely told. Um, I just thought it was, for me, I'm not going to start being doom and gloom about the performance. Yeah, it was bad. And yeah, we've got another big game coming up. But if you think about the Swansea away game when we were in the playoffs, we absolutely battered them. And we lost 3-1. Now, you don't get to play in the final if everyone says, oh, well, they were lucky to get through that game. So, you know, they'll probably lose the final. Whereas everyone's kind of like looking at us now. I've seen so many Chris Fountain, the, the little tosser who used to be in bloody Hollyoaks, coming out and saying, oh, Forrest were rubbish in the second leg. Sorry, did you forget that we played Sheffield United off their own pitch four days previous? I mean... <laughs> Come on, it's a one-off game for a place in the Premier League. Literally, what happened in that second leg, as far as I'm concerned, has absolutely no bearing on anything. Um, likewise, the fact that Uddersfield haven't lost since the 1st of April, they will. their players will know that if they lose the next one, they're staying in the Championship. So it really is a final. Um, there, is, there is no um, you know, next opportunity after this one, and I think the players will have that drilled into them. If you look at like the, everyone's saying that the Bournemouth game was a final and we, we let the fans down and this, that and the other. It was, but I mean, it, it was hard to get the players up for that being a final, I would imagine, because there is another opportunity, whereas on Sunday, it really is shit or bust. Um, and I think that will play a big part. And I think we will see Forrest leave absolutely everything out on the Wembley turf on Sunday. Yeah. Keenan Davis, come on again, Reese. Um I thought he changed the game, to be honest. He swung it back in our favour. I thought he was formidable. And you just kind of think, if he was 100% fit, do you think he might have started? Because I thought Surridge really struggled. He went back to the Surridge against Bournemouth, where he was playing with a player right up his arse. And for some strange reason, the ball wouldn't either get into him and he had no one's ever lay it off to. But Keen Davis, just what a player. <laughs> I'm going to say, before, this is such a tough tough podcast for us because we've got to obviously recap the game and you know everyone's people who listen to it will be like oh come on lads you've got to Wembley but you know um, yeah Davis come on and yeah <laughs> my, my mate said um, it's just like Michael Antonio interview you just can't get him off the ball it is it is unbelievable and to be honest when he come on um, I think Christian mentioned it earlier I thought we did look a lot better I thought when extra time come round, Sheffield United did look a bit leggy. I thought they put everything um, into that 90 minutes, as well as us as well, to be fair. And it was a bit to and fro. One, there was a few chances for us. They had that chance towards the end of extra time. But if he's fit, he's got to start in the final for me. Um, you know, I do like I do like Surridge, and he's you know got an assist in both legs, so you can't knock him for that really. But Davis is just such a a bulldozer running forward and he just adds probably so much more to our forward line um, and running at Huddersfield with Johnson to his right, you know, Zink's um, like a little buzzy bee and he's in quite everywhere with his energy. I think you'd probably look at starting him at Wembley if he is fit though. Obviously we don't know um, how fit he is. I think it depends on that and, you know, with a hamstring injury, you don't want to push it too much and then it just goes again so yeah we'll see but he, he I mean Sheffy and I just couldn't get him off the ball it was uh, yeah good to watch that definitely I thought um, Joe Lally come on look bright again Christian uh, had a chance in extra time where he scuffed it um, 
and obviously he had he had a bit of a heart in his mouth moment during the penalties. But um, do you think this is the last home game we're going to see of Joe Lally? I think so. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I thought the best compliment I can pay Lolly for how he played on Tuesday was that I didn't notice Zinkenega wasn't playing mm. in the sense that Lolly was doing all the ugly tactical work. He was tracking back. He was aggressive in the tackle. Like, you could see, like, some of the challenges he was, he was like, going for. Like, he really wanted that ball. Right? He was proper up for it. And which, of course, you should be anyway as a footballer. But, you know, he, he was really good to see and really refreshing. And um but yeah, he just, he just didn't quite get that rubber green going forward, did he? Like there was a chance that he skipped past two players and puts his shot like quite harmlessly by the post. You know, maybe a sharp lolly probably gets that at least on target. Um, and then obviously the big one, like, as you just touched on, where he slips. I mean, that was the best chance of extra time, I'd say, for us. Um, the only thing that topped that from both sides was the one that NDI somehow forced Samba into making a miraculous save from. Um, but you know, I think if Lolly stays in his feet in that moment, doesn't lose his composure, we probably, I think he probably finds a way to score there. So, yeah, I think that probably is the last time we'll see of him. Like I said before, I think regardless of what League Forest are in next season, I think Lolly will probably be moved on. But it's good to see that he's still got you know, something to offer. It's just almost a bit frustrating because we know, or we've seen him be like levels above where he is now, arguably. But obviously, you know, that's that's what happens in football. You don't stay at the same level forever. Things happen, injuries happen, etc., etc. So, yeah, I think he will be moved on personally. Yeah, this uh, last point before we head into the penalties, I want to bring you all in. Um, the Samba save against Illiman and Die in extra time, I think that is a bigger save than any of the penalty saves, in my opinion, because it's so... It's it's a snapshot. It's, it's right in, in like... It's so clock's proximity. Samba gets a stud on the ball, I think. Um, Lee, I don't know about you, because we, we've been, me and you were in the Trent end, but I didn't even know he saved it until I seen the, the replay. I, I just thought someone had blocked it. But looking back on it, that has got to be probably his, his best save of the season. Yeah, I know it, it does seem like we see a different game sometimes in the Trent end, doesn't it? Um, I was the same. I actually thought he put just scuffed it wide. Um, it wasn't until... Uh, WhatsApp started pinging in my pocket and it was uh, the group with the lads in who are all Mansfield fans waiting for the game the day after but they were watching the Forest game and they said how on earth has he saved that um, I think one of my mates actually said he thought it was the best save he's ever seen I, I think that was a bit extreme but um, he doesn't get out much bless him um, but yeah it was oh, it was far more important than any of the penalties obviously if he doesn't save that and it ends up in the back of the net then it doesn't go to penalties so yeah it was it was far more important for me Reese, you'd have been like right behind the goal, obviously. Talk, talk us from, from that point of view. You must have thought goal. I mean, it, it sums up a former manager's quote, doesn't it, in football, fine margins, because, <laughs> you know, like Lee just said, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but when Sheffield got that second, I fully expect them to go on and win the tie normal time. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and I know this is an extra time now, but honestly um, just unbelievable reaction it's just just crazy just a crazy moment and that that stud is literally the difference I know obviously penalties have happened but that stud is literally the difference of us you know now doing this podcast sulking than us being excited and planning trips to Wembley and you know Samba was you know he was incredible the other night and you know, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think who was it who mentioned it in the media, but you've got to hand it as well to Steve Cooper. I handled him. You know, he, he obviously had that moment of madness against Stoke, who's right to criticise for it. Um, he's then come back um, from the Blackpool game onwards and he's been brilliant. And that just summed him up into the other night. That's probably, that'll go down in Forest Folklore. I think if we get promoted, that goalkeeping performance. So, yeah, brilliant. Hopefully he can, um, if it does go, all the way in the final uh, again, he can uh, replicate that the penalty shootout heroics. Christian, have you ever watched Forest in a penalty shootout? No, I remember obviously we had Notts County before, and obviously won that one. So I was actually weirdly surprisingly confident going in because I remembered like, oh, we've we've done this before, we've won. Um, yeah, I remember. Was, I think it was Lee Hughes, wasn't it? He ballooned it into the top tier yeah. of Trent. Lee probably caught the football was that high. Um, <laughs> it back. Yeah. <laughs> but um, going back to uh, Samba Say very quickly, like 
I actually sort of crumpled. I was pretty much an A block. I was like literally in line with it, pretty much like the line board. I actually crumpled back thinking it was in. Like before, as soon as the ball came to an eye, I, I was like half expecting like the cheers to come from the Sheffield United end. I think someone said on Twitter, it's the most important save or the best save for a Forest player since Shilton at Coventry. In like, and to be fair, it's difficult to argue against that, really. Um, that or Jordan Smith's against Ipswich. But yeah, it was ridiculous. And he had no right to save that. But yeah, again, I, I was actually... To be honest, when we went to a penalty shootout, I was just like, we've been so bad, whatever happens, happens. Like, I was actually quite calm going into it. Like, it wasn't like Lee said with Swansea, where you'd have felt so unjust if you'd lost on a penalty shootout that day because, you know, we'd much the better side and you'd be, you'd be living. At that point, I was like, almost accepted by fate. <laughs> I was like, whatever. You know, I was like, let's just get on with it and see what happens. So I was surprisingly calm going through that process. But yeah, you are right, though, Lee. I mean, it's weird how you sort of forget the, the brilliance of the first leg and you see what's in front of you. But yeah, no, I went into it pretty, pretty easy. Did none of you guys go against Barry in the cup? We won on Penos that game as well. Yeah, I was going to bring that one up. I remember <laughs> that one. About I think 14, I'm, 15, was it or something? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I've seen his three penalty shootouts now. We've won all three, which is Barry, Knotts, and obviously the other night. Um, didn't everyone take what like it went like all yeah. the second time, didn't it? That yeah, it was no the first season under Crank. It was when Jordan Smith, the aforementioned Jordan Smith. Can come out, miss the got ball, and he's gone. I got sent off. Oh, <laughs> so I don't think he's ever played for a club again since. So, um, yeah. Lee, do you know, as, about, as, 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 go on. Uh, sorry, Reese, go on. Have a, I said, talk, I was going to say, talk about chalk and cheese moments from the Ipswich to the Barry game. So, yeah. <laughs> Lee, I just want to uh, talk to you. Obviously, you, you've played in goal before, but do you. There's, there's so much more pressure on the penalty taker than the goalkeeper, I would think. And Joe, when you've got someone like Bree Sambo, who's He's a character in this division. Um, he's a shit house. Everyone knows it. Um, I, I just had a strange feeling that um, he would do it because he made Oliver Norwood wait what seemed to be an eternity. Yeah, it's, it's like you've said. There is no, there's no real pressure on the goalkeeper. I mean, I think that said, it, it's kind of the goalkeeper's chance to shine. Once it's gone to penalties, you know that. If anyone's going to be the hero for your team, it's probably going to be yourself. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, it's not something I would ever do. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't back myself enough to to certainly save three in a shootout that um, I'd leave a takeaway in ninety seconds while I checked my bottle and checked it again, and then I had a drink out of it and pissed about with my towel and that sort of stuff. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is his chance to kind of do that, I suppose, and. To be honest, I thought it was quite interesting that of, of all the keepers to get a tick, well, of the two keepers to get a ticking off from Michael Oliver, it was actually Fodringham, um, which I thought was really, that must have really pissed the Sheffield United fans off. But um, yeah, it, it is the chance to shine. I, mean, I always think if you can save one, you've done you've done a good job. But for Samba to save three, I mean, bloody hell. I, can't, I, can't, I just wish, it, can you remember when Huddersfield played Sheffield Wednesday in the playoffs and Danny Ward saves three and the Huddersfield fans are actually at the other end of the ground and Danny Ward just did about three laps of the pitch. I just wish Samba was a little bit less reserved um, <laughs> and kind of went absolutely crazy and just started doing laps of the city ground. But I suppose you can't have everything, can you? No. Reese. I thought the second one from Hurrahab, I mean, I thought, I didn't know what had ha- kind of happened. I didn't realise it hit the bar. Kind of, I thought it like hit the line or something, but that is some bollocks to stand just still and kind of, hope you know in a sense <laughs> yeah that was I mean I was at the end of the penalty and I didn't know what happened to be honest it, it all happened so quick and yeah like like you say as a, as a goalie to stand down in the middle if penalty taker smashes it one way or the other look, you look a bit of an idiot really don't you um, so you, to be fair to Samba you know we've all seen the water bottle um, he got his tactics <laughs> Just spot on if there is such a thing. Um, you know, and he, he just waited, didn't I think it said on the water bottle, didn't it? Wait until pretty much as long as you can, and that's what he did. And probably he's probably put a little bit of panic into Horahan um then and he's gone, smashed it down the middle, and it's a big strong arm, you know, to get to flick it onto the bar. It was just <laughs> just incredible, really. I just um, the penalty that just couldn't really believe what I was watching because, again, you know, with all the st- stuff our generations had to watch, I just thought, 
you know, I thought I just thought the worst. It's just it's just in my it's just in the DNA now. I just thought we're gonna I thought we're gonna fucking go out on penalties after all this season we've done so well and you know for us to be finally on you know the good end of it was just brilliant and you know and I said when cup come up the guy next to me was like um oh why is he taking one and I was like oh, he's an experienced pro I, I was delighted to see cup coming up to be honest at four experienced pro and I said to him if he scores this we win because then we've literally got four chances to win the tights either you know we score one or Samba saves one and then obviously Lolly missed and they well they scored Lolly missed for oh, goodness sake and thankfully you know as so come on to with the other lads he bailed us out, whoever it was, to take us the last penalty with a Gibbs-White save. I'm sure a Bournemouth fan has said this morning, I think it was on Twitter I was reading, that he ha- he's actually taken a few in, in game situations for Bournemouth. Yeah. I mean, for me, for me, I mean, this is where Southgate got it wrong in the Euros about, you know, people who were striking it best in training. That's bollocks to me. If you're a manager, and I'm not, and I haven't got any coaching badges, but... I'd surely be going around my team and be like, look, lads, who wants to take one? Who wants to take a penalty? Because And then I'd be open, people would be like, yeah, I want to take one. Because it's it's about holding your bottle. It's not about who strikes the ball the best. It's about when you step up and that long walk, it's about holding your nerve. And it proved in the Euros that Southgate got it wrong because three of us, I know Rashford would have took one, to be fair, but... The other lad, Sancho and Saka, was a surprise. Um, and I that that. yeah, it's it's just about holding your nerve. And Steve Cook to me typified someone who, like I said, has been there, done it, experience, and it proved to be a tremendous penalty sent Fodringham the other way. The, the celebrations weren't bad after Cook's uh, finish as well, <laughs> so I, I like that. But Christian, Christian, we'll we'll come back to. Um, Cafu taking a penalty. I mean, I was very surprised. To be fair, I thought I thought Fodringham would save that one as well, but um, I thought James Garner would have took one. Was you surprised Cafu even stepped up? I mean, I thought there was. I don't know who who would have took the fifty. You think as well. That's Garner had gone off, hadn't he? Yeah, Garner. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm sure someone said it was Yates on on Twitter. Uh, yeah, he said he was further down. Yeah, oh, confirmed that. I don't I reckon. Or maybe yeah. Warrell captain. Maybe I, I don't. I don't know if I'd have backed, backed him. You know, he he was a shitting dog all game, Warrell, unfortunately, because <laughs> he's been brilliant all season. But he got absolutely rinsed by by, by Gibbs White all game, and I was really happy that he missed that because everyone goes, "Oh, is it is it unfair that people that goalkeepers have got all these notes on their water bottles when it's been happening for donkeys years?" But for him to stutter two or three times before he even comes to strike strike the ball. I, I don't have no sympathy for him because you shouldn't do that. Like I, I hate that. When Rashford did it in the in the shootout in the Euros, just run up to it and hit it like all of our players did, and you might have a bit more of a chance. No, not this dicking about. And it was a, it was fantastic. And the scenes afterwards, Christian. I mean, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, once Cafu scored, I thought that was it. I thought we were, at that point, I thought we'd tune it up. Like, even for Forrest, it would take something pretty spectacular for us to get this wrong here. Ironically, actually, Norwood should have taken a step out of Rashford's book from the Euros because you could see he was getting more and more rassled the more he was waiting, whereas Rashford put it the other way. Like, I think he was the only one that sends um, Donnarumma the wrong way, wasn't he? He sort of, like, he took his own time. Was like He sort of took the initiative back. Okay, fair enough, he was a bit unlucky to hit the post. But he actually did everything else right prior to that. Whereas Norwood, you could see, he was getting more and more agitated. Actually, when you watch it back on TV... He looks terrified. Like you can see, he's looking clearly where he's going to put it, and he looks absolutely terrified. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of battle of wits, really. But Cathy, um, Cathy was very lucky. I thought um, I didn't actually realise until I watched it back that you know, Fodringham actually tips it in. Like, thankfully, there's enough pace, just a bit pace in the ball because I thought I thought Fodringham was actually like powered it in. I thought, okay, if we've got that rubber green, we might be okay here. I didn't realize he'd actually sort of like come off like the left side of his hands with, with near the little finger and gone behind him. I was like, when I watched that back, I was like, good God, like, how did we get away with that? So, um, yeah, that was a moment for me when you would do it. And then obviously, like you said, Gibbs White stutter at that point, I knew he was missing. And yeah, the amount of uh, pyros and flares that got on the pitch was quite something to behold, I reckon. I uh, did enjoy that. I, I thought the, I, I didn't want initially 
a pitch invasion. But, you know, after the how the game went and all the incidents with Heckenbottom and, and everything else, I kind of just thought it was just... It was just the shine was taken off it by one individual, unfortunately. And then, obviously, the thing that happened with McBurney. But, like, I don't think the focus should be too much on that. Forest have reached a, a Wembley final for the first time in 30 years and the chance to go back up in 23 years. So we're going to talk a bit more about, obviously, the game against Huddersfield um, in, in a bit. I just want to ask you all, have you listened to the Colin Frey uh, commentary back and the interview with Steve Cooper? I generally thought Colin Frey were going to cry. Like, he's a, he's a proper fan, and I do love him because he's, he's, he's very un, unbiased, I find. I know he's a Forest fan and he's a Forest commentator, uh, Lee, but... You would say he, he he's very balanced and he's a he is a good person to have in in the sporting industry as a as someone that's involved heavily. But I, I actually felt just as pleased for him as I do for everyone else. Yeah, I think he's said, hasn't he? He's been getting quite a bit of stick um, <laughs> from the guys in the office because he's one of the only guys that's not commentated at Wembley. Um, obviously, Mansfield's been there recently, and Notts have as well. Notts County were there last year, weren't they? Um, yeah. Not sure how that went, but we'll move on. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like you've just said, he's he's a fan of the club. He's he's almost one of the kind of like an indirect stalwart, isn't he? He's been there um, for years. It's like and Gary years Brazil. And years. Yeah, he, he has. <laughs> he's been there for years, even longer than Brazil. Um, I think. I mean, there's going to come a point where Colin Frey wants to kind of run off into the sunset and do something else with his his um, his life. But there'll be some big shoes to fill for whoever gets the the gig next. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if we do go on and get promoted, I mean, I think Colin Frey might actually either cry or combust on air, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it will definitely be uh, one foot one for him. I, I hope, he's, hope he enjoys his day like we will. We'll, we're going we're gonna to get into the game. Uh, we're playing Huddersfield Town, obviously beat Luton 2-1 over the two legs. Reese, um, we, we played him in the league, lost to him at home in a, in a game where I thought we dominated, beat him at home in the FA Cup in a in a game where they say they completely rotated their side uh, and we beat him away just before Steve Cooper fully took the took the helm. Thoughts on, on Huddersfield overall? Um, I can't, I'm not going to come on here and criticise them because they've had a brilliant season. You know, no one, I don't think even their fans would have thought they would have finished anywhere near the playoffs, never mind third, so fair play to them. It's going to be a very, very tough game and Despite what their fans say on Twitter, most, you know, it seems like because Trevor Sinclair's predicted Forest will win, that every Forest fan thinks it'll be an easy ride, it seems, but it won't. It'll be a very, very tough game. Um, and if Forest are not at the best, Huddersfield will turn us over. You know, if we play our day against Sheffield United, I fully expect Huddersfield to turn us over. So we've got to be on it. And if we are on it, then I, I, I think Forest will beat him. But it's going to be. <laughs> It's going to be, it's just, you know, Christian's mentioned this in the group, but is it 190 million now? It, the figures are just astronomical. You know, you, this is a game what's changing club's history, especially Forest, because they've been out of top flight for 20 odd years. So, you know, it, it's probably more down to nowadays who holds the nerve. And that's why you've seen in recent years pretty poor playoff finals. Um, you know, the Huddersfield Reading one springs to mind, which was pretty dire you know um I'm trying to think who it was last season Brentford, um, who, Brentford yeah Swansea which wasn't the best game you know the year before Fulham Brentford wasn't the best game going back again I remember when Derby played Villa and it was a goalkeeper mistake Calarus's mistake wanted what made it 2-0 to Villa so it, it is going to be it is going to be tight um you know, it was pretty tight yesterday. I don't know if you guys watched Wick and Sunderland. I know Sunderland won 2-0, but, you know, it was a goalkeeping mistake for me for the first. And then the game kind of petered on and on and on. And then obviously later on, Sunderland got at second. So, yeah, it'd be a tough game. Um, you know, they've got some danger men. Sorba Thomas had a really good season. You know, I'm a big fan of Lewis O'Brien. I think he'll be in the Premier League next season, whether Huddersfield get promoted or not. So yeah, we've got to, we've got to be on it, and you know, like Christian mentioned earlier, your your slight concern is that we've had two really big games with the second leg and Bournemouth, and we've froze a bit in both. So we can't afford to do that now because 
you know, my little cliche quote all season has been about business. This, God, this is more than business now. This is, yeah, biggest game in the club's history for a long, long time. Who do you make favourites, Christian? Um, I mean, Could- technically, if you go by the league table, you see Huddersfield to finish above us. Um, obviously, there are variables to that. Um, their form is formidable. I think they've lost three and thirty games or something. Dan. Yeah, but I mean, the last time they went on a run of form, we ended that. So I mean, I think you go by the league table and you say that Huddersfield finished what two points above us in the end. So you would say that there's there's very slight favourites going into it. But that again, again, there's a lot in terms of. I mean, I agree with Reese. I think if Forest goes that game and they're on it, we'll probably win because I do think that we are maybe a better side I don't know like it's it's it's, 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 it's I think above all else it's quite nice that this is the actual playoff final I mean Huddersfield and one of the teams are obviously when they got relegated for the first time okay fair enough they, had, they think this is their final year of parachute payments to be fair but they haven't spent a thing in a play in like three years I don't think no. so they they completely like went look, look, look we're, we're managing our books whatever happens happens we didn't expect the Premier League this is what's going to happen we're going to run sustainably and fair play to them for that and obviously Forest you know we haven't been in the top flight for 23 years I think it's nice, regardless of what happens, that it won't be a, like we haven't opened the door for Sheffield United to do what Norwich and Watford do every fucking year, and just ping up and down. So I think it is, it's good from that aspect that you know, it's good for the league, it's good for the EFL as a whole that you know we, did, we can show there is another way other than relying on parachute payments as much as it's turned into a 23 team league essentially. So that side of things is very good. In terms of favourites, I would say Huddersfield only but slightly. But again, I do fancy Forest. If would you, would you go on this statement then? Do you think there's the Huddersfield are favourites, but there's probably more pressure on Forest? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably fair. I yeah. think because it's been so long. I think, you know, with Huddersfield, um, they've, I mean, I can recall obviously, like, like Lee said earlier, the Sheffield United playoff final where we went to penalties and Simerson put one into the stands where they beat, you know, uh, Reading on penalties with the worst playoff final in history. But the fact is, they came through it twice. They've been at Wembley before, they've won. Um, they've been in the Premier League fairly recently. They had a two-year stay there. You know, they weren't a particularly pleasant team to watch under Wagner, but they made it work for them. So, and, you know, they've, they've been there and done it. I think if they go back and lose, it's sort of like, oh, you know what, fine, never mind. Whereas for us, it's sort of like, how long do we have to wait to get an opportunity like this again? Obviously, we've, this is the closest we've ever been in 23 years. Like, again, it's a different team, different setup, different everything compared to what's gone in years gone by. But, you, just, you can't take anything for granted in football. So I would say that there is more pressure on Forest because, again, we're tantalisingly close and we don't know if we'll get a chance like that again. Okay. Lee, how do you expect Forest and Huddersfield to both approach the game, would you say? Because I think this it's two different kind of styles of play, in my opinion. Yeah, I think... Um, I think Cooper's style won't um, drift too much from what we've seen before. Um if anything, I think Cooper always likes his team to play on the front foot, create chances. Um, I think he knows that we are a much tougher team to play against when we've got a goal lead. If we score first, I think um, it's very rare that we drop points, to be honest. Um, I expect Huddersfield to kind of... I think they might have the first 10-15 minutes. I think they will, they will know that when they scored against us um, in the game where they beat us this season, that we found it quite tricky to break them down. I think they'll want to get us onto the mindset of, oh shit, we're one nil down. We need a goal and start kind of rushing and panicking. But after the first 10, 15 minutes, if it's still goalless, I would expect Huddersfield to kind of retreat a little bit um, try and soak up the pressure. There was a, there was a clip of Lewis O'Brien, wasn't there, after the Luton game when Luton had kind of bossed them uh, and should have scored a couple of times. And I think he said something like, call us the sponge, we soak things up, then go and score a goal. I would expect them to very much take that kind of um, approach if they don't score early. But I I do actually think they will come out looking for, um, I know they like this word in Huddersfield, fireworks, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I at the same time, that could make the first 10, 15 minutes really interesting because maybe Steve Cooper will kind of see that that might be our time to kind of a bit like the Sheffield United away game uh, in the playoffs where we got the early goal and then all of a sudden all the emphasis is on Sheffield United, you know, getting their fans back on side. So I would actually expect uh, the first 20 minutes to be 
quite exciting and probably a little bit intriguing if you're a neutral. Yeah. Uh, Reese, I know we've we've kind of likened Huddersfield to a bit of like a Sabri Lamushi side uh, and whatnot. Do you think it's kind of a case of approaching as, as we would normally, but obviously being very aware of that counter-attack. I mean, Lewis O'Brien likes to run from midfield. Silva Thomas is not not a slouch. Toffler at left wing back is definitely a cause for concern. But I think up top, I'm quite happy that if it's Jordan Rose or Danny Ward, they're not the paciest of players. It's always going to be balls to feet. I don't think you'll see very many channel balls in that sense, but it's something that we've still got to be aware of, isn't it? Yeah, I think for me personally, I think the big threat for Huddersfield is set pieces. Um, I've seen a couple of stats um, from their end saying how efficient they are in both boxes at defending and attacking set pieces. So, you know, as we saw with the Sheffield United game, I'm sure you guys will agree the long throw from Robert Stafford that causes loads of problems at times. And lo and behold, we I know it wasn't a long throw, but we conceded from a set piece at Sheffield United. So I think we've got to be wary of that. Um, I was amazed by the odds when I had a check to see we was evens and they were nearly three to one. I couldn't believe that, to be honest. I thought it would be probably six to four, seven to four, maybe in favour of Forrest because I think the bookies would look from the outside of Forrest have had huge intacts for seven games and you know, if it weren't for that, we'd probably gone up second and Huddersfield probably aren't as fashionable, aren't as fashionable as a club and how they play is probably the reason why. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be, I, I mean, it, to me, it's a 50-50 contest. I've, you know, I've no idea how it's going to pan out. I don't know what to expect because... Like I said in the previous comment, for me, it's about who handles the occasion. You know, Forrest can handle the occasion and get it down, play football, make sure we get Spence and Johnson into the game. We can beat any team in the league. So, and we've proved we can beat Premier League teams by doing that. So, we've got to make sure we play our game and are on it and not let them, you know, like Lee just said, for us to concede an early goal, I think would be a disaster personally. And we've got to not concede an early fifth because I just think that would make us very nervous. And Hood have got, you know, some experienced players in their roads, Jonathan Hogg. Um, and it's gonna it's gonna even be tough to score past, you know, the championship keeper of the season. So, you know, who Huddersfield fans think should be in the England squad. So looking forward to um trying to score past him, but it's going to be a t- it's going to be a tight game, and, and I generally wouldn't surprise me if it went all the way again. Yeah, Christian, where would you where do you think the key battles lie? Is it do you think it's at, at fullback? Obviously, you've got uh, Johnson against Toffolo there, or, or Spence, how you want to look at it. You've got the midfield battle of Zinkenagel, Garner, and Yates most likely against. Uh, it could it could be it could be a varied because I spoke to a Huddersfield fan, which will be released later this week, obviously to to get everyone a bit more buoyancy, get get to know Huddersfield from their perspective. But it's been like Hogg, John Russell, and Lewis O'Brien. Like they, there's so many battles across the pitch. I mean, it could be Davis against Levi Colwell. It's it's fascinating, really. In a, in, a, in a it could be it could be a very interesting game from a tactical point of view. Yeah, I think I would agree. I think it'd be midfield battle. I think, like you said, um, in regards to the pace up front, it's very unlikely to be a lot of channel balls. So I think that, not saying that Spence or Colback will have free reign. I mean, there's a good chance that Corbrand might have seen how Sheffield United in particular exploited Colback's positioning and go, OK, let's just try and put a pacer outlet out there. But I do think that it'll be that midfield, that so it'll be Yates and Garner against O'Brien and Hogg, I imagine, and with Zinkenegel and the young guy uh, floating around. But um, the one for me to watch is, as Reese said, set pieces. I mean, Silver Thomas has got eight assists purely from set pieces this season. It's the highest in the league. I think they scored 32% of their goals, I think, one of you were saying in the chat, from set pieces this season. And in a tight game, like it's going to be on Sunday, that's likely to be decided by a set piece, which plays into their hands, which is one reason why I also think they're favourites. But um, we can control what we can control. Again, um, just got to stop giving silly fouls away. Nothing like that around the edge of the box. Nothing that can give them a chance for Thomas to get a whip in. Just be sensible. Um, but yeah, I do think that midfield battle will be big. I mean, we've seen 
like Reese touched upon, we've seen big teams come to Forest, you know, and our midfield's done well against Arsenal, especially Yates and Garner completely bullied their midfield. Okay, fair enough, they had a kid there, but still against Leicester, perhaps a more telling one. They had Tillemans and Deedy there. And again, Garner and Yates held firm and won that battle. So we can do it. It's been done against better teams at Huddersfield this season. So we have to wait and see if we can do it in a day. Yeah. Lee, uh, Keenan Davis or Sam Surridge? Well, I mean, it's difficult to answer on the basis that we don't know how fit Keenan Davis is. But let's say they're both 100%. I would go for Davis. I just think there's, as far as I'm concerned, there's no other striker like him at championship level. Um, he reminds me of when a kid that might be, say, year 11 goes and plays with the year sevens. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's It really is that... It, it's just bizarre. I mean, it's when we signed him, I was a little bit unsure what to expect. Obviously, we'd said on this pod that um, his goal-scoring record and that wasn't overly good, but wow, what a player. What what an athlete. Um, yeah, so I, I just think nothing against Surridge. I think he's also been a great signing and I think Surridge will be a very good player for us moving forward, regardless of the division we're in. Um, but for me, in a one-off game for a place in the Premier League, um, I would be giving Keenan Davis the nod. I think it's if he's not completely fit, I think you give him sixty to seventy minutes, run him ragged, obviously try and obviously get a lead and everything else. But then then you bring on Sam Surridge, whose movement's very good, and he's and he's a willing runner, um, yeah. more of a box player, obviously, in, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I I'd agree with you there. Um, and then just before we get into some predictions, Reese, I'm going to ask you a really random question because it's I know you love your kits, but uh, would you rather see us play in an all red kit? Because apparently Huddersfield have got uh, the the home home kit for them. They've that's what they've chosen, or is it is it high vis reds? I think we've got no choice but to be high vis because I believe the rules are you can only have three different pairs of shorts. So obviously we've got us home white, away navy, and. You know, is it orange with cough for the third? Orange or yellow, I, I, I think. Believe, I, yeah, I believe that's the rules. So I would, if they are the rules, then I would expect us to be in the high vis. If they do do us, you know, something special, you know, of course, it would be nice to be in his home kit. And, you know, for an older generation, it'd bring back memories, wouldn't it, if it was in an all red strip. So, I mean, that's just don't really matter to me personally. You know, that high-vis kid, kit has been a bit of a lucky charm for us this season. We've beat Huddersfield in it already. So, um, yeah, we'll, um, yeah, whatever happens with that. Right. Uh, Going to get into some predictions. Uh, Christian, start with you first. Um, I'm, again, I, like we said before, I'm not going to come on this pod now at this stage of season and try and be pessimistic. Um, I think I agree with Reese. it's going to be a hell of a battle. I think it's going to be a very ugly game. I'm hoping it won't be like the Sheffield United game, which was more nasty needle than tactical, like, imbalance. If you like, in the sense of, like, you know, they're going into a box, Boris trying to break them down, they trying to counter, like I said, the sponge thing. You see a lot of that. Or, or they be very cagey, a very sort of like, you know, almost like an awkward chess match, sort of like who's going to do what. As most finals, are really it's very rare you get like a, a goal fest in the final um, obviously we'd all like to say Forrest going to win 5-0 but I don't think it's going to be happening um, I am going to say we're going to win 1-0 I think it'll be very very tight and I think it'll go very late as well um, obviously we've had a penchant of scoring um, sorry of scoring very late goals this season I wouldn't be surprised if we got another one before lights out so yeah, I've won the forest, but I don't think by any stretch of the imagination it's going to be a comfortable ride. I don't think it, when we do a pod to cover this game, I think all of us may have aged about four years in that time or <laughs> had at least a couple of years chipped off our life expectancy. It won't be fun. It won't be an easy ride. It's down, bound to be countless scares. Um, but I'm going to be positive and say 1-0. Cool. Lee? Yeah, hit the nail on the head there, I think. Um, in terms of the actual game, I think it's going to be so tough. Um, every time I've watched Huddersfield this season, they've just been... The, the, big, the biggest thing we're going to have to do is run as much as them. Uh, one thing that Huddersfield are really, really, really good at is 
they never stop running. I mean, if you look at their manager on the sidelines, he never stops running either. He's like Tigger. <laughs> he's up and down. He's moving. He, he's entertaining in his own his own little weird way. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to match them in that sense. And if we do that, I think we have got slightly more quality. Um, so taking all that into consideration, I think it will be 2-1. And like Christian says, I'm not going to sit on a Forest podcast after that emotional roller coaster in midweek and start predicting us to lose. So I think it will go in the favour of the team wearing yellow and orange. <laughs> Reese. Just before I go to my prediction, there's someone who we've all forgotten about, and that's Lewis Grabham. I mean, would he potentially be fit for the final? I'm not sure. I don't or is think he so. is, is is that him done now? Which is, it is a shame because you know he's been I know people disagree maybe, but I think he's been brilliant for Forrest. And you know, if, if we was ahead late on it, to bring someone of his experience off the bench to hold it up would be nice, but that's irrelevant. Um I am going to go the same score as Lee and go for Forrest to win 2-1 but you know it, it's like asking to predict the lots of numbers it really is it's I don't know I, I just don't know what's going to happen and it, like I think Christian said it's not going to come without any scares it won't be easy Forrest could be freeing a lot with five minutes to go and I'd still be concerned so <laughs> it, it will never be done easily being Forest, um, and you know, with that prediction in mind, I just kind of got in my head that it'll be like the Villa Derby game where they was two 0 up, so obviously being us, and then they conceded with about ten to go, and that's what I think might happen with us, and then it'll be very very nervy. Um, probably similar as well. I know it was later on the Sheffield United game away where we look comfortable at two 0 and they get one back out of nothing, and it's. Squeaky bum time, but yeah. I'm gonna very quickly. Just, um, just, uh, if you want some more positive omens, I think I saw um, someone say that what's it, uh, Forest and Clough at Wembley for the first time in 30 years, which is actually quite a nice little sight. So the band still got mm. there. And um, the way I look at it as well, I mean, like, really, like Lee sort of touched upon earlier, it doesn't matter how you get there, as long as you get there. How often yeah. do you see a team lose a semi final and get to the final, <laughs> let alone playing in that manner? So <laughs> Now, if we're playing like that and we're getting through, someone's watching over us, I reckon. So it, it's, to, I don't know about you guys, but to me, it, it's still not sunk in yet that we're going. And it, it probably won't until... I'd agree with the that. Day. Until you're on it, Wembley Way. I, <laughs> I, went, I went to London um, this week with work and I had to come off the turn for Wembley and I was just like... <laughs> it's like, wow, this is going to be like... It's just, as well, like... You know, Forest have never had that day where they've had like 35,000 all together in one end and, you know, before the game and, you know, the, the trip's done and, you know, the, the city, you know, I'm, just, I'm sure you guys have seen on Twitter as well, the city looks buzzing, all the little stalls and that selling flags and that and, you know, we're off to Wembley and, you know, we've never, never had anything like this. So I'm, I'm it, it is really nice. I'm interested to speak to you when we're at the pub, Reese, and that, and just like get your thoughts on the comparison of going to watch England, if you know what I mean. Because obviously you've been to watch England v Germany and and that, and that sort of big occasion, but that's like the whole country. It's not. It's I think yeah. it's a bit different club football, isn't it? Especially it, when your club gets it is there. because you know you're not going to get any stick. Really, is one <laughs> thing. Obviously, England, and I was a nervous wreck for that game because as well, it's the same. It was knockout football. Whereas, you know, in the league, you get beat on a Saturday, you think, well, I can go again Tuesday night and we can turn it round. This, you know, Forest loses game, England would have lost that game. That would have been it. Especially yeah. for England as well, because it's another two years before a tournament um, and a lifetime before another home tournament. So it's going to, I'm just going to be sick with nerves because it's, yeah, I've never experienced, and I'm talking for all fours, we've never experienced a game of this magnitude with Forest, it's going to be, you know, I think plenty of alcohol consumed to try and take the nerves away from what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I'm going to predict 2-1 as well. Um, I think it'll be tight again. I think it's just how we handle, like like, like Lee said, about the first 20 minutes and, and the occasion. And I, and I, I, don't, I know I've not um, come on to this during the, the, the normal uh, section of the podcast, but I want to talk about us as the supporters. I thought on Tuesday, I've never seen a ground 
all four stands stand up. I mean, it's not it's not the best song in, in my opinion, the the Forest of Magic on and off the pitch, but bloody hell, I've never been a part of something like that in my life. It was it was amazing. It was almost quite emotional. We're, we're losing two one. The team is struggling so so much, but all four stands just realise how much they needed us, and I think they're going to need us just as much in this final. Huddersfield are going to be, come with it. They're going to bring the drum. Um, it's just it's just how it's going to be, and we've just got to completely nullify them. I, I like that there's been a bit of spice on on Twitter, to be honest, because it's it'd be boring if there was nothing between the two sets of fans on the day. I I really want to beat them, and and I think it adds to the occasion that some fans have got a bit of disdain for each other. I don't know what you guys think. Um, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been a bit weird to see, isn't it? It's been a bit bizarre. Um, like they're reaching for something that just isn't there, but uh, whatever. I mean, that's well, that's what makes them happy and fine. Obviously, a lot of them still rattled by Eva's grill, um, which is quite ironic given how they celebrated their uh, semi against Luton. Not that we could say the same one. We invaded literally 24 hours later, but um, yeah, it's, I find it a bit weird. Very, very weird. Like I've got, I don't really care much for Huddersfield. They're a decent. They've done well this season. Uh, you know they've performed above expectations against the Prem before. Never really <laughs> given it much thought beyond that. So I don't know why they try to stir the pot so much. But I suppose, like you said, it adds another element to the game and it'll be even sweeter to do win. But yeah, it's a bit odd. I'd echo that. I think it's really odd. I think I've never seen I've never seen a fan base so rattled by a few fireworks. Um, and not only that, I mean. We we put some fireworks up when we'd set up a, a quarter final. Forget that it was Liverpool; it was the FA Cup quarter final we'd reached. I mean, yeah, you've not won anything, but we've not had much to shout about. And not only that, I think you see when Huddersfield win, they do that. They all where they all hold hands and run like a bit like Klopp does with his players, and it's all towards one end, and they all sing a silly song. A bit rich from us, considering we all go around the pitch singing Depeche Mode, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's, Can't it's, be hypocritical. Really. <laughs> I always think in modern football, there's such a self entitlement between. I mean, football fans haven't been in grounds for a year. If 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 a company nearby the city ground wants to set some fireworks off because people are back in grounds enjoying themselves, celebrating good football being played, you know, watching the games with your friends, your family for the first time in what two or three years why is that a problem to you who doesn't support that team? Just let them get on with it. And I'd, it's the same when I see Forest fans saying like, oh, um, such and such are doing this, such and such are doing that. Just let them do what they want. We'll do what we want and happy days. Definitely. I think football banter is <laughs> it's like the most hypocritical thing ever because so, a set of supporters will moan about another team doing this and then next minute they'll do the exact same. You know what I mean? It, I'm sure there'd have been Derby fans out there on, you know, when was it we played Sheffield Tuesday night? Oh, look at them, look, pitch invasion. Well, did they not remember pitch invasion when they beat Brighton in the semi-finals? And I did the final end for them. So, you know, I've got, you know, when I was probably 10 years younger, you know, in my early teens, I probably would have bit to a lot more. And I do to the odd one now, but I can just scroll past stuff now. And <laughs> unfortunately, some people just believe crap what gets written on social media I think is probably the best word to describe it like you know that that Derby Huddersfield fans thing yes they're sore and just nonsense like that and you know you know most most stuff on social media now is just to make other people buy it really that's <laughs> especially in football because you know and pe- but and people just make themselves so stupid with some of the opinions they have you know like in our reply to a guy who said oh Every, every, we crumble every time this season. I was like, we've just won on penalties. You know, that would be the perfect time to crumble, wouldn't it, if we crumble every game. So, you know... You mean, like the, you mean like the Luton fan who said that Brennan Johnson doesn't turn up for big games and he yeah, went and scored just, in both games just, against yeah, Sheffield United? Just, you know, they just make himself look stupid. I just think, you know, you're meant to be a football fan and just giving crap opinions, you know, just <laughs> just because to get bites out of people. I just think you make yourself look stupid, but I'm not arsed about Huddersfield. At the end of the day, to me, they're just a you know, a block in the way of us getting to the Premier League and whatever team it was, if I, you know, if it were, re- you know, other teams I've really got no feelings for. I don't, they're just there in the way and we've there, got to yeah. move them out of the way, yeah. Another hurdle, like you said, yeah, yeah another yeah, block. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But uh, I do expect a, 
a sellout from Forest perspective. Whether we get more allocation, it's it's yet to be seen as recording this on the uh, with a week to go. Um, next time you'll speak to all four of us, we'll hopefully be at the Green Man <laughs> on Sunday, uh, but on another podcast, uh, we'll be we'll be after that somehow to to obviously recap everything that happens in the final and and get our reward uh, awards done. Uh, Christian will be back in the hot seat for that. I'm I'm sure uh, he's. It's just bloody nerve wracking doing this. Right? We, we want to come. We want to come back as a Premier League podcast. That's what we want. That's Absolutely, great. talking That's to great. Darren Fletcher about Forest being dry. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you very much for joining us on uh, Red Side of the Trent. We'll see you all on Sunday at Wembley, Green Man, wherever. Say hi. Um, come on, you Reds. We can definitely do it. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win. Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.